here we go. It's the Cultured Guitarist Podcast. And I am Al Live with the glory of love, Al. <laughs> with me, <laughs> with me as ever, is Can't Touch This Casper. I'll take that. And we have the incredible, our awesome guest, Jive Talking Jonathan Fellows. <laughs> <laughs> Fellows guitars. <laughs> hey guys hey hey man <laughs> i'm sure in some circles that's an insult but mm, well, not this one <laughs> that's a bg song how's that an insult that's a bg's tune all of our nicknames were song based were they would you really need me to explain can't touch this? Uh, no i don't but thank you yeah not, well you know you know uh i think mine was hammer. the only obscure one mc hammer's my neighbor no way what yeah, like seriously, he lives like a quarter of a mile from me. Wicked. <laughs> new podcast uh, direction here. <laughs> Let's just talk about that. Yeah, I ran into him a couple of weeks back at the dry cleaners. I mean, he's here around town all the time. That's like, amazing. Yep. <laughs> okay. Not that is very fitting. It. Yeah, wow. Thank you, Al. <laughs> <laughs> all right accidental theme continuity there. yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah my my song is uh uh from uh say anything the band say anything okay and it was uh popular it was a real popular tune in the mid-2000s you hear it in scrubs episodes and things like okay. that okay okay one of my favorite songs ever. Not aware of it, but yeah. if you like it, it's all yours, buddy. It's all about falling in love during World War II. There you go. Yeah, very Al-type thing to song to love. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jonathan Fellows, super stoked to have you on the show, man. Um, yeah, yeah thanks, for, thanks for the invite, guys. Oh, man, thanks for yeah. accepting, and on short notice, too. Appreciate that. Yeah, well, it's a pretty quiet week, you know? <laughs> I mean, busy and quiet, but, you know, not like normal christmas new year's week busy right, right. because <laughs> we're all just kind of sitting at home <laughs> yeah yep. I, I work in retail in my day job and boxing day might as well have not even been a, a special day i mean i don't know is that a global thing or is it just canada that does boxing day uh, shopping the day after the, christmas it's at least the states as well what you, you, you guys, guys do like huge december 26th sales and stuff it's not a big thing over here. Really? Not yeah, like that's that. what I thought. It was, it was only I was living in Utah. So. It was like a. I thought it was mostly a Canada thing. Okay. Well, um, well, I mean, there's always like the after Christmas sale, but yeah. I've never really heard of anyone. So our Boxing Day down here. Our Boxing Day, quote unquote, would call would like rival in the past would rival like Black Friday. Oh really? That was like yeah. You guys had Black Friday. We had Boxing Day. That was the thing. But now. We kind of do Black Friday here. It's kind of so. it's kind of sucky to work retail in Canada in that sense because you get Black Friday all of December, and then the the week between Christmas and New Year's is still insane. Yep, because there's just nonstop sales and hardcore pushes and, and stuff. Yep. Uh, it's it's so this year um, not so much. Um, <laughs> it was just a regular day. It was very boring. We had a lot of staff, so a lot of people just kind of you know, going about tasks and stuff. It was really kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know what I just realized, and I only know this because of we, of our quiz episode last week, mm. 
which uh, one of my favorite ones. But but Jonathan here is uh, the seventh luthier we've had on the show. Indeed, only the seventh. Yeah, in our guitar based podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which is we're gonna have to improve on those numbers. But uh, yeah, you're 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 in the first ten, my friend. Oh, cool. <laughs> well spoken, sir. Well, that is a nifty tidbit. That's it, yeah, that, okay. All right, let me change direction here. Yeah, let's let's chat about the week. Let's, let's yeah. what have you been up to this week? Guitar and her music related, Casper Dasper. Um, well, uh again, back to the uh, thing I mentioned last week about wanting to learn more about pedals and their inner workings and things i've been doing a lot of research into that and uh that's been consuming most of my music and or guitar related time uh because it is absolutely fascinating so um yeah that's been pretty much it i am still awaiting the kits i ordered from germany that i'm going to put together and you know cut my teeth as a as a soldering guy that makes music noises with a stomp box <laughs> but uh that's pretty much it man uh i've been like say the, the retail stuff for for working things have been busy up until christmas there and now we're we're in the idle so i'm trying to kind of find time for everything else that's it all right yeah well let's let's get into jonathan jonathan what have you been up to guitar and music related this week well i've actually had a little bit of time to get some guitar stuff done uh leading up to this there's just been so much craziness you know going on with everything else that i hadn't been as productive as i would have hoped but you know this last week or so has given me some uh much needed time to actually get some 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 things done so i i wrapped up uh one of my f3 models um that is i'm posting it up as soon as i can uh find the time to actually take decent pictures of it posting that one up for sale in the next uh, couple of days or so. And then um, I've been playing with my new laser and getting this, uh, this turquoise one that it's, it's getting pretty close to the one I, I posted some pictures of that one with a, it's got a sparkle guard and that's something new. And I made that with my new laser and that's a gorgeous instrument. Yeah. Thanks. Well, right now it's just a bunch of parts. It'll be an instrument when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't made any music yet. So but, uh, yeah, and I, I got an, um, one of the things that I had been working on for the last uh, couple of years was um, saving up some money to buy a, a good quality laser for the shop. And uh, just one of those things that uh, has so many uses. And, and so now I got that in, I don't know, right after Thanksgiving, and I'm finally starting to figure out how to make it do cool stuff. So that pick guard for the, for the, um, for that turquoise one was I cut that last night on the, on the laser. And so that was really cool. It's like once all the programming was done, it was like literally about a minute and a half to make that whole pick card. So that was fun. That sounds about right for, yeah. for anything like that. I mean, I used to be a painter and it was always the prep work and getting ready for stuff that took all the real time. And the actual painting was the quick stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the cool thing is, is that now that that file's all set up is that if I want to make another one, or if I screw this one up, like I'm apt to do, um, <laughs> I can just pop the material in and 
turn it on and away we go. Right. So, yeah, that's great. It looks sharp too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) Silver sparkle is uh... right up Al's alley. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I was, I hadn't even originally considered sparkle for this guitar when I painted it. And it was just going to be white, you know, that turquoise and white, I think looks really sharp. And mm-hmm. I had it all kind of planned out. And then a couple of weeks ago, one of my other customers came back to me and I had made an orange guitar for him a while back. And we had just sort of done like the, the whole like orange and parchment cream kind of, you know, combo, the, the, what, a, what we would call the creamsicle sort of setup, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. vanilla and orange. Right. And it was nice. And he came back to me and he says, I want to change pickups. So I need a new pick guard. And this and that. And I want, um, he's like, I just picked up this telly, this orange telly that it's part of one of Fender's new series. And it's got, you know, silver sparkle pick guard on it and stuff. And he's like, can you do a silver sparkle? And I was like, yeah, I think I just need to find the material, but I don't see why not. And so I went on a quest and had a little bit of trouble finding the right material. But once I got it, um, and I made that for him. I just sort of was kicking it around and I had cut a pick guard for, for his F3. And I thought, Oh man, that would look so hot on this, this turquoise one. And so that sort of shifted the design direction on that. And I, you know, it's just one of those things. And now I'm in love with this sparkle stuff. So I'm going to see <laughs> where else I could put get it. that glitter in your veins. <laughs> Welcome brother. <laughs> Yeah, well, and see, and my wife and my daughter are giving me crap about it because, um, you know, I've tried as hard as I can to ban glitter from my house, right? Because that stuff is once you get in, it never gets out and then it multiplies, right? (laughs) Listen, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm the greatest husband (laughs) in the world, but I have learned that my marriage is happier when I just admit when I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I'm trying to segment it, right? Because this glitter is like fixed. It doesn't create glitter dust. It's not glitter I'm opposed to now. It's glitter, <laughs> loose glitter. That's that's the, the enemy there. You okay. might be making glittery earrings in your laser pretty soon here, pal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anything's possible. Yeah, pick and choose the battles. That's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Right, 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 right. Well, so, I, I don't have much to report. On yeah, my what end. about you, Al? Thank you for asking, Casper. Uh, <laughs> dynamite, dynamite segue, buddy. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to report myself musically. Um, most of my guitar-related stuff has honestly been spent um, emailing or <laughs> everybody take a drink, uh, emailing and um, in chats with uh, some manufacturers about. Uh, uh, some upcoming stuff for 2021, uh, oh. the show, and uh, you, there's nothing you're not aware of. I know, I know, and <laughs> I, I, I purposefully didn't say anything, but I maybe I should have. That that's been a big part of the research I've been doing. As yeah, well. uh, so that has been like, um, I'm excited to 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 get into this section of the show in 2021, whenever this actually gets finally happening, because I've been, already been at this for months crikey almost six months yeah holy crap yeah and in the last two weeks um an unholy amount of time mm-hmm. um it's crazy how much you know i'm grateful for the show i love the show a ton and as we said last week uh to dan um in our 
It was either a pre or post show chat. I don't remember which. Yeah. We talked with Dan a lot that we didn't record. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as, as we were saying last, last week, uh, the amount of hours that the show's starting to take up for me um, in a given week is really ramping up, and yeah. mo- especially lately, uh, which is cool because the show has grown a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, well, yeah, in some ways, there's been some, there's positives and downsides like there is with anything. And positives are, my life is very guitar focused. Mm. <laughs> Negatives, I'm not playing more. Yeah. <laughs> I, when, I'm producing I, a show more stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, but I'm excited about what we're working on. Um, so that has taken up an absolute truckload of my time, uh, which I, and I wish I could reveal more details to our listeners, but I can't yet. <sighs> but there's so some cool stuff tuned. on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I did get to play a tiny little bit of guitar uh, on the the Kronbauer prototype. That you didn't bring again. No. Sorry, man. It's so snowy up where I am, and I never know if I'm going to be stuck in the snow for hours at a time on the mountain. See, right why now. wouldn't you want to have a guitar to play if you're stuck <laughs> on the side of a mountain for hours on end? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that's on, the just... survival tip of the century right there. <laughs> yeah, um... Played a little bit of that thing. Uh, really trying to, I'm kind of trying to challenge myself with it, as I shared last week, where the volume knob is on that guitar uh, is a bit of a knuckle grinder for me because I'm a I'm a big swinging strummer when I play, and uh, this thing was definitely designed for intelligent jazz playing, which uh, <laughs> I do none of. Um, <laughs> so I'm it's it's a it's it's kind of like you know you kill bill when she goes and trains with pai mai the the like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. ninja master or kung fu master or whatever um the cruel tutelage of pai mai <laughs> and every time she screws up he like whacks her on the hand with a cane or something like it's it's immediate and harsh punishment that's what this guitar is i'm trying to adjust my playing to not hit the volume knob or play completely different styles so i'm not it's not a thing. And when I forget and I start strumming like an orangutan on uh, drugs again, um, I immediately bash my knuckle into this volume knob. And it hurts. <laughs> I mean, we could <laughs> we could modify it with like razor blades or broken glass. Really drive the point home. Yeah. <laughs> You'd learn quick. Uh, I just don't think you're suffering enough in this learning process. Again, I live far away and the drive to the hospital is... Best done when not bleeding out. Um, so no, how about? Well, it's just an idea. I've already had one guitar that uh, cut me up pretty good. I don't need. I don't think I want to do that again. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was a weird conversational shift. <laughs> let's, let's get let's get back to the man of the man of the well, not hour. I, I want to say hour, but we, never. we haven't stuck to an hour in forever. Uh, the man of the the the, what? There's no other phrase. The okay. guest of honor. There you <laughs> oh, go. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> what quality hosting, Mr. Jonathan Fellows. Uh, once again, I'm finding myself wishing that we had some sort of awesome origin story music that mm. had an epicness and Hans Zimmer esque tones. But uh, give us your origin story, man. How'd you get into doing what you're doing? Um. The crazy thing is that I didn't get into it sooner. Um, I've played guitar since I was 14 and 
although at the beginning it was just sort of uh, acoustic and and that kind of stuff and I, I i played some stuff at church and 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 i played some stuff at school when i was in high school and 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 in my mind anyhow uh you know strumming an acoustic guitar and playing an electric guitar were two completely different things and so i never really went down that electric path when i was when i was young and i didn't do that till probably i was in my early 20s and i i started i got my first electric guitar and I was messing around with that and really got into that for a while. And, and, you know, uh, but along the way, I have always been a maker. Um, I've always been somebody who's, you know, uh, does everything myself, um, builds things, build cabinets for the house, build, you know, any kinds of things, gifts for friends, whatever. I, I've always been a woodworker and a maker. And, and the crazy thing is that it didn't really connect until like 10 years ago that I could actually make a guitar. Um, that that wasn't just something that you had to go buy. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm the guy, I, you know, when I was, uh, I don't know, 22 years old or so, I, I bought what I considered my first like good acoustic guitar. <laughs> I bought, I bought a, a Takamini that was, it was like $600 at the time. And that was like big bucks to me back then. And this, what, this, what guitar, year was this? Oh, was this it? was probably uh, 1998 or something like that. Okay. And, and, uh, you know, so it, you know, the money's probably doubled in that time frame, right? The same guitar probably costs 12 or $1,300 now, something like that. Anyways, but, but I was like, I bought that guitar. And one of the things that really annoys me about buying about acoustic guitars is when they don't have a strap button on the top of the body. Right. And they just expect you to tie it on at the headstock or whatever. I very much share that. I cannot believe how many manufacturers do that. Right. And so I actually, I bought this guitar and I took it home. <laughs> so Casper's I, looking at the ceiling right now. He, he is a Casper. Very, do you like yours tied on at the top? Yep. Go ahead, buddy. Yep. Why don't you share him what's going on? No, <laughs> it's fine. It's working. I changed the way I play. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Casper has a irreplaceable custom built acoustic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That he still has not put a strap knob on the heel. I, I, I cannot he, bring myself to drill a hole in this guitar, Al. You're friends with the luthier. He I know. Three blocks That's what I mean. Let the <laughs> Listen. <laughs> He's a busy man. I'm not going there right oh now. God. Okay? I, listen, I'm totally fine with the way my guitar plays and play its sounds and everything. And it sounds better than any other guitar I've ever played. So, okay. I don't want to mess with my guitar. Stop looking at me with those judging eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you just enjoy constantly pulling your neck like it's some $200 Denver acoustic. That's uh... You shut up. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. I just had to, I had to, no, no. to harass my co-host there. Are we done? <laughs> this is not the first time I've been paraded for this. So, um, nor the last. No. Okay. So you put us, you didn't have so, a strap. So what, my, well, what my point with that was, was that I took that, I, I took that guitar to a shop and I paid a guy like $25 to put a strap button on the heel because I was terrified of doing it myself and screwing it up. And I, uh, you know, and, and so from there to be the point where I, I'm 
you know, doing the stuff I'm doing today, you know, working on much more expensive guitars than that and, you know, cutting and fixing and, you know, repairing things. Um, I've come quite a long ways, but, you know, somewhere along the line, I guess about 10 years or so ago, I, I wanted a new electric and I wanted something really cool, but I didn't really have the budget for something cool. Right. And so that's what I mean, I've heard it before on this show even is that, you know, those of us who can make stuff when we want something, then we don't have money for it. We just go build it. And, um, <laughs> so that's kind of what I did. And I, 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 I had no clue what I was doing, but I looked at a electric guitar and I said, well, that body's just a slab of wood. So all the, the hard parts in the neck. So I went on Craigslist, Craigslist and I found a, like a janky old bolt on, uh, SG, like a, a, an Epiphone SG with a bolt on neck. And somebody was selling it for like 40 bucks because it was busted. And I bought that sucker and I took it home and I just tore it apart to figure out like how this whole thing comes together. And, uh, and then I stripped down and reused the neck and just built a new body for it. Right. And just, just made a body, uh, that was, you know, the, the, the body far outclassed the neck <laughs> because it was made with this fancy walnut and maple and it was all beautiful and everything. And I put it all together and it worked and it wasn't good, but it worked. And so that just sort of cemented it for me that, Hey, this is something I could actually, I could actually do. And I really, really enjoyed the process. And then from there, it's just been a, a process of trying to learn and do as much as I can, uh, from as many people as I can. Right. Cause this, one of the things about this community that we're all kind of a part of is that everybody is so helpful and so willing to, you know, um, give you advice and certainly, tips and tricks and different things worth talking to anyway yeah, for sure right well and you know and and the the wonders of the forums online and and youtube and all of that kind of stuff you know it's just if you want to do something you can figure out how to do something you know and so i built my own neck on the second guitar that i made and um that cemented for me that it was absolutely doable. Now that neck kind of sucked and <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't exactly a playable thing, but, um, but it cemented for me what the process was, right. And that there were certain steps. And if you figured out the right order of operations and you worked through it and you were figured out where you needed to apply the detail and, you know, uh, what was important to get right up front and, all the different steps that go into it, it just, you know, it just became a matter of practice, right? Just build another one. That one's not great. Okay. Build another one, build another one. And, you know, uh, talk to more people, learn more tricks and, and us, us luthier guys tend to just, if it's not right, build a better jig. <laughs> it's usually what it comes down <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> so, um, so it's been, it's been that process, you know? And so I, you know, a couple of years back, I kind I finally got to the point where, you know, the stuff I was able to make was of a quality that um, I'm was finally happy with in terms of something that I would be, I would feel comfortable selling. Right. Mm. So, you know, because you, you kind of, it's like the, you go out there and you see things that people have made themselves and people who have, who have, who have put up for sale. And, you know, for me, if it's, if it's not of the quality that I would, I mean, if, I don't know. I, I have a real high uh, threshold as far as what 
if my name's going on it and it's going to go out there and someone's going to pay money for it, it has to be flawless. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of my, my, I just, I don't feel comfortable if it's not. And so it's, it's, it's taken me a while to really get to that point where, where, um, I feel like I'm putting out that, that quality of, of, of an instrument. And then now the trick is really about sort of getting the word out and networking and, you know, trying to, trying to find avenues to, 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 you know, generate some business for it. I, I love the spirit of a real maker, a real builder, because it's a common thing that we hear is like, if I can't do it to perfection, um, then I don't want to sell it. Like you just, and, and the funny thing about that perfection is it, it's always, <laughs> you're cursed in a way because that always changes mm. every time. Right. I'm sure you're, you've got that same thing where every time you build one, you're evolving your process a little bit and you get a little bit better at doing the thing. And so your standard changes every time and what that definition of perfection is changes every time. So you're, yeah, you're always, it absolutely does. <laughs> you're always probably perfectu perpetually uncomfortable with the last instrument well, you sold in a way. Cause it's like, Oh, I could have done this. Little. <laughs> oh yeah. That happens all the time. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. But, but you know what else is that you start to get comfortable and, and learn what, what things you're good at and what things you're not. And you find ways to, you know, um, when necessary, you know, like farm out the part that you're not, you know, like I've been doing all of my own finishes and I don't feel that, um, long-term that's something that I can, uh, sustainably do because, um, when I make a tiny mistake in a finish or something like that, it just takes so much time for me to go back and completely strip and repaint a guitar because I, found some little flaw in it that I don't like. And, um, so, you know, the day may very well soon come where I actually, you know, um, hire out my finish work or something like that, because, um, you know, I'm doing it all myself right now. And I think my finishes are fantastic. The stuff that I've put out there, but what people don't see is the, you know, amount of hours that go into getting it perfect. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, you know, and, and, and it's, it's very labor intensive and, you know, on an hourly basis, I am not making a lot of money on this stuff, <laughs> you know, and, but that's my number one time sink in the guitar. It's like, it's like, it takes me three times as long to finish a guitar as it does to make it. Um, it's, it's just, um, but for me, the finish is the most is, is next to playability. The finish work is the second most noticeable thing about the instrument, right? Because that's what you see. The finish is everything. And, um, you know, is, I mean, obviously you could have the best, most playable, most best setup, best sounding guitar ever. And if you're selling it as a brand new instrument and the finish isn't flawless, then it's, 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 it's not going to be right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, the finish unless you're one of those freaks that's into relics or something like that <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, okay you know what i've had this conversation i think with al before and definitely our other friend um i don't know why you would want to buy a beat up guitar from the factory it just doesn't make any sense to me same reason some people buy uh acid wash jean oh i don't know about acid wash but like you know faded jeans as opposed to 
And that's something I don't do either. I don't right buy jeans blue. that come pre-ripped. Well, I'm not saying ripped, I'm going to wreck them. You don't have to. Not every version of Relic is like survived a car but, fire. Like, there's very. But my degrees. question is, why is it okay with guitars, but it's not like you would never buy a a pre-Relic car? Yeah, I would, buy a brand new car. I would full of say rustles. people exactly do that. You're just looking in the wrong place. If you had some, if you had uh, the opportunity to buy. Um, a really cool rat rod. See, but I would build the rat rod. I wouldn't want to buy I can't, it. Yeah, well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying there's a market for it. There, there is a market for relic, and and worn looking things. I suppose. Isn't it just better to actually find one that was made new fifty years ago and I now looks? Worn? Absolutely agree, but I think for. I think that's I think the in thing. In a fairly obvious way, that's a pipe dream at this point. I, I think buying something that was actually worn by the player and not worn by a technician in a factory or like in the in printing of its of its body colors or whatever. I I think I, I don't know. A friend of ours had that, that road worn strat. And you can look at that road worn strat and you go, Okay, yeah, it looks like a player played it and then you go to the the music store, and you see the exact one hanging on the wall. Sure, okay. It looks identical. It's if, like, okay. why does everybody want the same road-worn So guitar? we're talking road-worn strats. That's Fender. That's a Fortune 500 company. They're, you know, they're, there's only a certain way they can even offer something that's vaguely relic, and that's on mass. <laughs> they're all going to be the same. Novo does the relic thing. That's a part of their charm and stuff like that. Each one is completely different, so it's a whole different thing. But the reality mm-hmm. is, it doesn't matter if I want to get a real relic 60s strat or 50s strat. They're bloody hard to find. Mm. Right. And if I can find one, I can't afford it. Yeah, I suppose. I just think that the the well, relicking of a of a brand new <laughs> instrument in a way takes some of the mystique or not mystique, the charm out of an actual as a guy one. who had a guitar that I honestly like relic the heck out of by touring and playing it, I get some of that because there's some of that alert for me. It was a bit of an elitist thing, like I earned this. Mirror. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know I've never been a hipster. You shut your mouth. Uh, somebody passed the kombucha. I love your um, hat, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, you. Uh, <laughs> but. I, I think the way to look at it is cowboy boots and a big buckle and a cowboy hat is not a style that I would ever be caught dead. Well, me, I might be caught dead wearing it, but I'm not going to be caught alive wearing it. But for some people, that's that's their thing. That's their mm-hmm. style. And I think we gotta we got to look at these relic guitars the same way. Um, anything that's just a relic in, in style is just a look somebody likes and wants for their instrument. And, okay, whatever. Some people like okay. uh, pointy BC Rich guitars, and some people don't. Um, if it's not affecting, affecting, aff- affecting functionality, like if the trem springs are rusted, and you can't adjust the saddles because it's all goopy because they relic the heck out of that too, <laughs> then then I got some some beef with that. But if it's just a like an aged nitro finish, well, that's something pretty cool. Hmm? That's just my take. Well. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I get that. And, and it's a preference thing, but you know, for me and for my brand, right. That's not my thing. So and that, that is also like, yeah. I get that too. You know, it's, you so, so since I'm not going in that direction, right. Then it's important to me that the finishes are 
perfect. Right. So, so it's just, you know, that's, that's one of those things that I've got to work out. I've got to find a way to get either way more efficient at that, or I've got to, you know, consider in the, in the future, if volume starts to grow to that, that might be something that I need to farm out because it's not, it's not my forte the same way that doing the rest of the work is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so it's, it's been a, it's been a process in, in that regards too, right. Of, of figuring out, you know, um, uh, what, you know, where to invest them, you know, most of my time and, and how to, how to make something better. You know, I, I learned that I'm not as, as, as I can, I'm a better builder than I am a designer. Right. So I've asked for help with the design stuff. Right. And I have some, some guys that I've worked with to get the, the design styled in. And, and that's, that's, that has just ramped up my great, my game incredibly by collaborating with others on the parts where I'm weak. And I think that, that that's, you know, that's something that, you know, kind of applies to everything in life, right. Is, is understand your weaknesses and collaborate with others when, you know, on those things and stop trying to do everything yourself. Yeah. I think that's a smart move. You know, it's, um, and that's how we get better at things is by working with people right. who are better than us at them. Right. Uh, I, Absolutely. I, can I, can I bust your chops a little bit? Sure. Okay. I noticed <laughs> uh -oh. on a, on one of your absolutely jaw droppingly sexy F three elites. Uh huh. That you uh, you used a patinaed copper pick guard. I did. Well, I noticed the copper's not brand new and shiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, but I didn't juxtapose it with a scratched up ratty check finish, right? That's it's, just okay. It's more so, of a well, that, I think that highlights my point more that you picked and chose where your uh, uh, relicking was and wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I see exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just being a jerk now. I'm not sure I agree with it. That's okay. <laughs> you, you honestly shouldn't really agree with Al in general anyway. That's a, that's a really, uh, hey, that's a hurtful thing to say. Oh, come on. I just saw the, I saw it and it just had to bust your chops on that one. I thought it was funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, and, and, the, and the thing with that one really was that it wasn't, it wasn't about the, the relic. It was about the, the color, right? Because on that one, what I focused on was not so much making that, that pick our look old was making it have the colors, the colors that I wanted in it, you know, the, because if, if you look at that, I think that it, that that particular one, you know, complements the, the wood on that particular guitar very, very well. And, and you can make copper patinas in all kinds of different colors. So, um, and you know, and I, when it was done, I sealed it in with lacquer. So it's actually kind of got a matte finish and it's, and it's not going to wear and continue to change, right? So it's not going to continue to to look older and older. It should stay looking like that from now until forever, you know. No, see, I, I love patina yeah. copper. I think it's a great look. It's a yeah. It's something that I'd like I like to see on guitars. It always looks cool to me. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that one. That one, and that's that's one of. So that's one of my personal guitars. Like that one's not for sale. That's one of my 
I say personal guitars, but really they end up being the demos. Like, like if someone wants to check out an F3 Elite, you know, before they buy one or order one or whatever, like that's one that, that, that they can, you know, they can touch and feel and play and, and all of that, um, uh, you know, so that uh, they're not just buying based on a picture, you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's your, that's your kind of, uh, that's the, that's the, the loaner, the one you send out and stuff and, and get out into the world. Well, yeah, that's the one that, you know, if someone wants to come over to the shop and try my stuff out, that, that one's always here, right? Okay. That one. Yeah. And that's the same thing with this, this turquoise one that, that you saw the pictures of on the thing. That one's actually, because that one has all of the options, right? It's got the mastery. Uh, you'll see more pictures soon, but it has a, like a three-piece laminated neck and the fretboard's bound. And, you know, so it has like literally all the options. And so, so you know, most of the other F3s didn't have, you know, they just had one-piece necks and they just, you know, they didn't have bound fretboards and 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 they don't have a mastery and, and that kind of stuff. And, and so this one and that other one, the elite one that you're talking about with the copper, guard and, and stuff those those kind of have all of the options so that people can kind of see you know everything that's available or, or doable in a custom instrument right um and and you know obviously you can get a base model that just has a standard maple neck and a painted body and you know it's uh still a you know a great a great great instrument but i wanted to make sure that that i had a couple of them here in both body styles that you know people can can come check out if they want, or I can take to Nam with me when I go, or whatever you know. Gotcha. That's really cool. Um, so switching gears a little bit, just because you, yeah. you kind of hinted at it, um, and this is something that I've been fascinated with. This is what drew me to you. This is why uh, I just instantly connected with what you were doing. Is uh, your body shapes? Mm -hmm. um, the F three mm -hmm. and the F three Elite are. I think the F three Elite is almost more traditional. Uh, compared to just the regular F3. The F3 is one of the most fascinating bodies I've seen in quite a, a long time because it's a zero cutaway body. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and an offset at the same time, and yet still mm -hmm. has um, really great upper fret access. Um, it, it's such a unique design, uh, that straight-flowing line from the, the upper, quote-unquote, horn. Mm -hmm all the mm -hmm. way down to uh, where where anybody else would have a lower cutaway. Um, right. I love that. How, how, like, mm -hmm. What drew you to that? Where did that come from? Okay. So the, <laughs> I mentioned before about collaborative design. So <laughs> this is definitely something that, that, I mean, I was working with um, a couple of guys who are friends of mine who helped collaborate on, on, on this design. And, um, do you have you ever heard of the uh, the Flippin' Flippers podcast? Yes. Okay, so Paul and Co are friends of mine, and the three of us collaborated on this F three design, and that's where the actually the F three came from. It's the it's fellows plus Flippin' Flippers. So okay. <laughs> that's kind of where the because we couldn't we 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 argued about it over text for weeks about what we were going to name this model and. <laughs> And so it was a collaborative thing and they kept saying, make it straight across the top. And I kept saying, you can't do it. You got to have fret access. And then um, they said, no, it'll work. You know, this, the design is what, you know, and so we, we went around and around and around and around for, for a long time. And, and I did drawing after drawing after drawing and we finally got it right. I think, you know, and when we, when I finally made the drawing of what became the, the F3, the first drawing and I sent it over, we were all just like, 
that's it. Like, like the, like every previous version just wasn't quite right. And, and that one, when we, I finally got it and I said, okay, now I got to build a prototype and make sure this is actually functional. And so we went through that process, but, um, it was a very, uh, like we talked about a very iterative, uh, collaborative uh, process to come up with, with this particular design. And, and, and we were trying to find, I mean, it, this is the first body shape I've seen that, you know, aside from stuff that's really wild and, 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 and stuff out there, that everything is just minor tweaks on stuff that's always already out there. Mm. And we were, we were dead set on coming up with a design that would be truly unique and recognizable, right? That when you see, I, I haven't seen another guitar that's straight across the top that way, you know? Um, and then, then the F3 elite was really because of that, what you were talking about with the upper fret access and, and the perception that it doesn't exist on the regular F3s, even though it actually does. So the, the elite is actually just the F3 with, with, with recesses cut on both sides of the neck. If you yeah. lay the bodies, yeah. if you lay the bodies on top of each other, they are literally identical, except that there's a scoop out on both sides. That's yeah, it. Which I thought was really clever, by the way, because it's, it's, <laughs> It's it's virtually no extra uh, design work, but right. creating a, a completely separate body. Uh, right, it's very it's clever. and well, and the difference is is that like I won't I I won't offer that elite version in a painted body because I just don't think it works. Right, but mm -hmm. it it works with all the figured woods or or I did one that, that has a it has it's like a it's a burst you know, and it's, it's got the, the, you know, flame maple top and, you know, the black burst, it's like a tobacco burst kind of a, a setup. And, and, and so, so the elite will always be either a natural body or it will be a, 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 a you know, a burst like that. And then the regular F3 on the other hand, just looks phenomenal painted different colors. And I did, I think I did one of the regular F3s that was just in a, a straight walnut body and it looks nice too. So that one, I guess, could kind of go either way, but the elite will always kind of be the. That's like my, my figured fancy wood, you know, design, and okay. and then Aside and then the regular F three will kind of be all the the fun colors, okay. you know. As I think it could work with paint, but that's just me. It's just me. Um, uh, maybe. I mean, it's just if someone wants to order one, I'm not going to tell them no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to just build one and you know on spec, right, and, and see if it'll work. Um, because I need to have an outlet for my, my, my inner woodworker. That's got to have all the, got to have a place to, to build out stuff with, with really beautiful wood. You know, that's really something I enjoy doing a lot. I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something to be said for, um, uh, again, something else we've, we've said a couple of times with Dan Presenter of more guitars is, uh, so there's something to be said for, for, um, not having to fund your own prototyping, essentially. Mm. If an idea is going to get tried out, it's always nice if there's a customer there who's already bought and paid for it. And, well, you know. and that was part of the that was part of the deal. Um, you know, last last winter, um, I built out like eight F3s all at the same time, and that was kind of the the inaugural run of those. And and I had never done that many guitars all at once before. And but part of the deal of doing that was was the the process was not to make a you know a, a huge uh profit on those guitars but it was to work out the 
the build process and to generate enough revenue to cover the costs for a couple of these additional prototypes, right? So, so when it was all done, you know, I sold six of them and I had two, you know, remaining as protos that I can use for, for demos and, and stuff like that. So, um, so that was really, that, that was a, that was a crazy stressful time with the amount of work that had to be done. And, and I had to deliver all those things at NAM last year. So it was just, it was, it was a, a big push to get them all done on time. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Um, on that, <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> On that note, too, uh, of body shapes and, and everything, I really mm -hmm. did because you do the Pathfinder base, which is kind of oh, a, yeah, an offset, gorgeous-looking machine, man. So great. Oh, yeah. Um, the question I have about this is there is some some hardware choices and and design stuff that I've never seen uh, with the, the plate below the neck. Is that, mm -hmm. what, like, what's the the purpose of, of that design choice and why is there, you know, there's mounting hardware for something underneath and I don't understand it. Can you explain that? Yeah, so both of my bases, you'll see it on the other base model too, the the Altamont base, um, which I don't think is on my website, but it's in my my social media. Um, so, uh, um, if you take off that that plate um, on the Pathfinder, it's a chrome plate. On the other one, it's it's um, I just used an ebony plate. There's um, that's where the truss rod access is. Um, and then, you know, right in the heel and, and you can get into it by removing that plate. And then there's also two additional neck bolts that come through from the front side. So you want to take the neck off, like on the Pathfinder, if you look at the back of it, there's, there's three bolts through the neck plate. And then on the front, there's actually two more under that cover. Oh. So, um, so it's got, you know, it's a five bolt, um, neck, uh, to give you all the, 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 you know, real solid contact. Um, and, and, and because the, the, I wanted, I, the way I wanted the fretboard positioned and everything, I, I needed to extend the neck. Like <laughs> that, that base design doesn't have a ton of cutaway either, but if you just look at it from the front where the neck joins, the body is like, uh, I don't know, it's like at the 18th fret or something like that. And so it's higher than what you would normally do. And so there wasn't enough real estate to actually have a full-size base heel on that, on that neck and, and actually have enough bolting surface. So I fixed that by extending the neck down another inch and a half beyond the fretboard and then put that cover over it. Right. Cool. So that way it kind of, it moves the neck farther away from the body um, without uh, having to make it like a, 26 fret neck or something <laughs> right and allows you to to still uh, pull some of that mounting surface into the body a little further so that you have some more something yeah to mount to. that's in exactly ingenious. yeah yeah that's that's right and i did and it's more noticeable on the pathfinder because i put that chrome cover on there because i was kind of excited because i had recently found a, a chrome shop near me that would do just little small orders for me so <laughs> so i was like i was like oh i can chrome the neck plate and i can chrome the the control plate. Oh, I'll chrome that thing too. And <laughs> well, I was going to compliment you on it. I think it's cooler that you did that. Yeah. And then on the 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 newer base model, the the Altima base, that one I just it's a lot more subtle because it's just a it's just an ebony it's just an ebony cover right there. Yeah. And if you go back and look at like a lot of the old a lot of the alembics and stuff like that have a have a control uh, a neck um, 
a truss rod access um, with a cover like that that's right under the right right below the heel of the neck. So well, um, that's that's nothing new. It's not an alien look at all. I mean, even if you go back to like sixty one SGs, you know, there's always mm-hmm. a little cover there. A lot mm-hmm. of a lot of instruments throughout time have definitely had a thing there. So it, I, I to be honest, I didn't even notice. It didn't strike me as as foreign because it just was. I don't know, just part of a thing for me. Yeah. But uh, I like the look. Yeah, it's sharp. Yeah, on, on the Pathfinder, everyone at first was asking me, so what kind of pickup is that in the neck position? <laughs> okay, a, so the, the troglodyte and me did the same thing. I was like, I wonder what it is. But how is there a pickup? Because there's screw mounts and stuff underneath. I don't know. What, the, what is this? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So so anyways, that was, uh, yeah, that's that's the story behind that one. That's and that funny. one right there that you see, that's, that's actually my bass. I play a ton more bass than I do guitar these days and so that's that's my everyday player right there and that's like you've got the 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 panels and everything are all countersunk as well to kind of fit that same aesthetic yeah yeah oh yeah super super sharp man i really like that thanks thanks yeah cool (laughs) oh man I'm I'm always trying to think of an intelligent question and avoid just to being like, oh my gosh, I love what you're doing. Just utter fanboying. But I got, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm at right now. I'm just I'm just in that mode of just like, oh my gosh, I love what you're doing, sir. It's so good. Um, what do you got going on for pickups? What do you What do you like to use? Do you do you use so, the same manufacturer? Or do you switch it up? So, um, all of my all of my F3s and the Altamont bass, all of those I use uh, Righteous Sound pickups. Have you heard of Have you heard of those guys? Yeah, we follow them actually on our social media and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh Josh Spataro is the is the owner of Righteous Sound, and he is just a terrific dude. And uh, he's in Austin, Texas area, and um, so he he's he's he made all the pickups for all the F3s. I he made the Thunderbird bass pickups that went in that. Uh, that um that ultima base and uh so i i've just been totally thrilled with everything that guy's doing right so he can do everything you know it, it almost any kind of pickup even if they're not like available on his website like uh on this this turquoise one we've been talking about with the sparkle pickguard that one's got jazz master pickups he made those for me that's not a normal offering for him but uh uh, he can just, it's just really cool, the stuff that he's willing to do and the customer service that he puts out. So um, just thrilled with him tonally. He's got a lot of cool stuff. So Nice. Yeah, he's, um, he's somebody I'm hoping to 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 get on the show uh, sometime in the future. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or... Yeah, he's 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 a great guy. And so I've been doing him. The, the pickup in that Pathfinder base is actually a Curtis Novak um, pickup. Dark star. Uh, yeah, the... And that one's actually the dark, the DSBS, which is a Dark Star Bisonic, mm. and it's it's actually two separate single coils that you can switch between. So that pickup selector switch, I can actually go, um, I can switch between two different sort of vintage voiced uh, single coils there. Oh, interesting! So that's, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. Um, it gives you a couple of different, uh, just a couple of different tonal configurations and. Um, I just love it. Just, just, just like I said, that's my daily player right there. So, I mean, and being a guy who's, you know, sort of, I was trying to do something that, that wasn't like, you know, everything sounds like a P bass or a jazz bass or whatever. I wanted something that had a lot of flexibility to it. So, right. I mean, I, I'm still that person who thinks like, 
everybody should have that P jazz sound. And yep. then you should, it's one of those things where like, that's, that's the starting point. <laughs> and then you expand from there. Cause if you don't have that covered, just, mm-hmm. just so many, so many sounds throughout history that that is the sound. That's where it all started. And you miss out on right. so much. Um, well, I mean, and, and, and so for the, you know, I would build a pathfinder with a different pickup combo if that's what someone wanted. And, you know, this is what I wanted for me. I've got a, my wife, <laughs> so I've been playing mostly bass and I have this, uh, this GNL SB2, right. It, which is basically just, a a, a P bass, right. It's got a P bass with the jazz bass, you know, in the single coil in the bridge. And, um, and I just been, I, I just love it. Right. And it's just uh, fantastic. And I was playing it all the time and my wife was giving me crap because she's like, you make all these great guitars. And then I see you up there and you're playing this GNL bass. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you really got to get off and build a bass. <laughs> That, uh, that sounds like a, that sounds like a loving wife thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I built that one, and um, and and so when I went to decide on what pickups I wanted, I, I I definitely wanted to have a different kind of tonal setup in that bass. So it's got that that Novak in there. So so I did that, and then the the other one, um, the I don't know if you've seen it on my social media recently that that Altamont bass that I made. Oh uh, heck yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're all over your social media, yeah. dude. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, okay. So that one, so that that has two essentially Thunderbird pickups in there, but I had um I had Gun Street make me the wiring harness for that. You guys know Sean over at Gun Street? We don't know him. We know Gun Street. Oh, yeah. uh, again, somebody we really want to have on the show and uh, somebody I'm hoping to hit up soon for some future projects we're working on. So, Yeah, so I had him do the do, build me a custom harness for that one. Um, and that thing has all of the options, right? It's got single coil versus humble. You know, both pickups can go split you can split the coils on it's got series and parallel modes it's got a, a it's got a filter that that built in it's got um uh treble and bass cut on you know all of the, all three knobs are push pulls in addition to having three-way switches for both pickups <laughs> so, yeah so you like alembic huh <laughs> <laughs> well so so I, 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 that base, that particular base, um, was a gift for my son-in-law. It was a wedding gift. He, he, and my, my daughter got married earlier this year. And so I built that base to him and, and, um, he's, he, he's really quite the audiophile. Uh, he's an electrical engineer on top of everything else. And so I, I made that base, um, and just, literally wanted to go all out and put every single option that was available in there for a switching perspective. And then he can dial in whatever tone he wants. I mean, you can make it sound like anything, anything you want on that bass. You know, you can play seventies funk or you can play death metal on it. It doesn't matter. It'll do it all. Cool. That's rad. Yeah. I got to say, man, you've, um, this is one of those instruments that I think it's going to get a lot. It, it did get a lot of love for you on Instagram. But it's going to get a little bit more love from uh, from some of the the in the know people, <laughs> builders out there. And I gotta say, man, as a as a former painter, as a guy who did a lot of staining and finishing work, like you put a lot of work into this. Um, you, you oh yeah, you must have. Uh, 
you were really, really careful and meticulous. The, the, your neck, holy crap, man. Having, having finished stained maple like that beside dyed and stained maple. Um, and, and from what I can see, there's no, no bleed through. There's that, that beautiful line. Like you, there's a couple of ways you could do that, but all, it's all a lot of work and preparation. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. There's some tricks to that, you know, um, you know, and that's something I had practiced before. And I had done it on a body where, where it was, you know, if you think about it, think about like a, um, uh, a PRS, right. Where they all have, they have that faux binding around the top of the front where the flame extends, but the color doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. So it's the same concept, right? So it's just a matter of actually a sealer and then tape it. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. So I, I taped it first, taped off the part I was going to dye and then sealed the part that I wanted to stay undyed and then pulled the tape and then went back and stained the part that was unsealed. Does that make sense? And then sealed it all again before I started painting the net or putting the clear on. Right. So, so it's just, it wasn't really that difficult. It was just a lot of prep to get it right. Right. It's beautiful. It's man. gorgeous, man. It's it really absolutely. is. Um, I, it's neat too. The uh, just looking at the really close up of the back of that neck, when the the actual flame in the maple is almost offset the complete width of the fr- the flame. You see that? I don't mm-hmm. know if you noticed. It looks super like lattice work goes up like a ladder. It looks really cool. Well, it's actually the same board split in half and inverted. Ah, okay, that yeah. would make sense. There you go. I, I got a So I, I ripped one board in half and then just, just, just flipped it top to bottom so that it's, it's actually a mirror image top to bottom. But because the board is so symmetrical top to bottom to begin with, you get the same kind of thing where it's like, it's almost like a book, book match kind of a thing, but it's right. technically it's not. It's just the same board flipped. I really want to compliment your, uh, your fretboard, your, your, um, binding that slick oh. little white inlay <laughs> that goes around the entire thing um it's really really well done it really looks thanks. gorgeous. Yeah, thanks thanks really, yeah really that's just takes that board to a whole new level right that was that was the goal right it's just the, it's the details right it's all about the detail and um you know that's that's what i think you know sets apart some builders from others is just the attention to detail. And so I want to be that guy. I want to be the one that you can look at it and say that every detail was spot on. You know, that's now the perfectionist in me that ends up driving me crazy because I have to redo things when I screw them up. (laughs) 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 But, but, but that's the, you know, when it's done, I'm just, you know, and I, and I'm happy with it at the end. Um, You know, it's something I could be proud of putting out there. That's man. I love that though. But you know, that's, that's what's gonna give your your clients the confidence yep. to to buy your product is is the fact that they know like, all right, this dude's a little uh, obsessive compulsive about uh, perfection <laughs> on his, his build. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's and that's you know, and 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 then you're trying to convey that with with pictures, right? Because because that's all that most people are ever going to see. They're never going to see that specific guitar because that belongs to somebody else now and it's hanging on the wall in their living room. And, and so no one else is going to be able to see that all that they have to go on is the pictures that are out there. And so, so, you know, and pictures can be edited and altered and tweaked and, you know, um, made, you know, you can, you can, you know, Photoshop errors out of the picture so that it looks better. And, and so my goal is if you, 
there are certain things that you can't though, right? So if you can communicate that detail in the pictures in such a way that they can see the amount of work that goes into it, there's an assumption then that, that the rest of the details are spot on. Well, I, uh, I would say, um, I would say there's good reason to have confidence in your builds. You know, there's again, pouring through your Instagram, you get a lot of praise from builders that have universally solid reputations. Doug Cower has commented on a lot of your posts, for example. Um, and, and you do put yourself out there. Like when we first started talking, we'll get you on the show. You were willing to send us a guitar to try out. And, uh, the only reason we didn't take you up on that is just the, uh, the heavy costs involved in shipping a guitar back and forth internationally. It just yeah. isn't, yeah. it isn't, uh, it isn't feasible cost wise for our, for our little podcast right now. Um, right. But it says a lot to me that you're like willing to put that on the line. Cause we're doing a review. We're not doing a, <laughs> we're not doing a demo. And, yeah. and anytime somebody right. puts something out on the line for us to review, they're taking a gamble because if we hate the thing, I mean, it's not really in our nature to, to just dump on a thing but um, right it's a review not a demo yeah. so we're gonna talk and about we're gonna be honest yeah so and and i yeah. think you know as we mentioned before about you know asher when we had our, our cable shootout um mm-hmm. with caulfield cables he, he kind of did the same thing sent us some stuff and it was like yeah if we if we hate it you know you're taking a risk that we don't like it so um you definitely can be confident just in knowing <laughs> well, that thanks. you're meticulous and uh yeah and and yeah it's i'm i haven't been the uh the social media um well i'm not like a vampire like i'll stay up all night and be doing all this research but i just because i have a job that i just <laughs> well, have to go to and i hate it and it's you're raising sucks. children well and... you know everything that i'm that i'm busy doing i it, have it, cats yeah <laughs> um but you know it's uh so I haven't had the the time to pour quite as as extensively over your social media and your website and stuff, but I'm equally as as stunned by how great everything looks, and I imagine it sounds equally as amazing. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's uh, that's the goal, right? It's uh, you know, it's <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, <laughs> you know, um, one of my goals is to try and make the guitars that don't look like they were built by some jack ball in his backyard even though they were you know <laughs> well <laughs> you know it's funny like so we've uh you're the seventh luthier we've had on the show mm-hmm. um you were by no means the seventh luthier we've talked to uh privately and stuff and online and um, mm-hmm. or just one that we know like we we've talked quite a lot um, a lot of the world's best guitars are being made in a shed mm. in somebody's backyard or <laughs> right. something like that. Yeah. Like it's but even, and that does not just guitars. It's, it's anything. I mean, we've talked to builders that started out doing most of their measure measurements with, uh, you know, for their cabinets on their amplifiers with cigarette packages as the template. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how it started. And now they're world renowned builders. It's like, yeah, it's gotta be right. You got to be the guy in the woodshed at some point in any, in any aspect of business. So, um, yeah. Yeah. In, in, in all fairness, though, I, there was a time when I was that guy in just a little shed. Now I've got actually a pretty respectable shop here in, in the, it, the shop is essentially in my backyard, but, um, but it is, it, it isn't so much a shed anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it can't, it can't be too bad. I mean, 
You've, no. As Doctor Evil would say, you've got a freaking laser. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, and a lot of that is just you know taking advantage of the fact that I, you know, the guitar thing is still a side a side hustle for me, right? Um, you know, I got a day job. I I work Monday through Friday, um, and and so so uh, you know, but it's you know nights and weekends I'm out in the shop working on guitar stuff, and and uh, you know. Uh, fortunately it's, it's become sort of a self-sustaining hobby, um, at this point. And the goal over the next few years is to really get it to the point where I can eventually take it full time. You know, that's, that's what I want to do. But, uh, you know, we've, we talked about this a little bit earlier that it's just, you know, trying to find that right stage in life where you can make that transition because it's, it's not something I got into early enough to, to take a chance back before I had obligations, you know? Yeah. Well, the so, obligations are almost grown and out of the house. So yeah. <laughs> That's what we were talking about too, right? So, so I've paid for one wedding and the other one I've paid for school for two of them now. And all that stuff is kind of you know, in the rearview mirror. Right. So, so it's kind of looking down the, down the path to the future and, and saying, okay, well, things are, you know, financially going to be a little bit more flexible as we go along here. And, and, uh, you know, it, it it won't take that big of a bump with the with the guitar stuff to really kind of you know turn it into more of a of a full time gig. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate. I had actually planned to to exhibit last year at Summer Nam before that got canceled. Right. And uh, I mean, I left Winter Nam with 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 a ton of confidence because I I wasn't exhibiting there, but I had met with a bunch of other people and and taken a lot of input and and uh, I took a lot of guitars with me and. And, um, had a lot of people had a chance to play them and, and I was very confident. I left there going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just pull the plug and I'm going to, I'm going to exhibit at winter Nam or summer Nam last year. Cause that's kind of a, it's kind of like baby Nam, right. Um, compared in, in comparison, it's, it's so much smaller and, 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 and it's a lot more, um, uh, cost effective to get into as a starting point. And then of course we all know what's happened since then. It's just been a crazy, crazy, crazy year. So I gotta be honest. Summer now was always the one that appealed to me way more. Uh, I'm not huge on massive, massive crowds. Um, I, I would just like to have a chiller experience and just check out right. some stuff. So I, I've always, Nam is always one of those things where it's like Mecca for, for, gear nerds and uh right (laughs) there is a lot of appeal to it but i think the better one for me personally has always been summer nam because it's just a little more chill yeah and you know the difference for me being that you know i can drive to to winter nam you know it's about it's about five hours from here you know and and i can stay with my dad if i need to because he still lives down in that area and my brother lives near there and 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 so it's a it's a it's a convenient trip for me. And then summer Nam's in Nashville. So I have to, you know, book a plane tickets. And if I was going to exhibit, I got to ship tons of gear and it's just a whole other process. Right. But I get what you're saying about it being chiller. You know, you can, for us, no matter which Nam we go to, it's, it's the elaborate experience because, or not that we've gone to Nam, but if we were to go, it's, it's, we're in, we're in Canada. So it, it, no. <laughs> you know what we should do and we're like super broke but we should what we should do uh, we should have a conversation about maybe like we'll rent an rv we'll crowdfund we'll rent an rv and we'll drive to winter nam that'd be fun sure that'd be fun yeah 
How's the Patreon doing? <laughs> What's our fundage at? <laughs> I don't know. You're running it. Yeah, exactly. Al's <laughs> running the Patreon. <laughs> okay. So on that, that happy note. Um, yeah, no, it might, might be a while. It'd be fun. Although, you know, we're on the West Coast, we, you know, that the whole run, we got enough... Uh, we got enough couches up. to crash Between on. Here in LA, we got <laughs> yeah. enough couches we could probably. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, well, you wouldn't be the first podcasters to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's, there's there's a few of our peers that uh, that go every year. Yeah. Every single time. Um, it's an enviable, enviable privilege. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if I'm going to go through the time and cost for myself, I'll probably go to summer one in nashville and and uh, well and you know what's nice about that one is that you can really you can see all of the show in one day right so you you don't if, if you're there for a couple of days you can really spend time networking and talking to people and 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 you know enjoying yourself without the pressure of oh i got to get back on the floor or i'm going to miss something you know, because, because you can, you can, you can walk up and down every aisle of that place and you can be, you know, finished by three in the afternoon, the first day, if you, if you don't, you know, if you don't get sidetracked. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so if you're there for two days or three days, you, you actually have the time to spend talking with people and, 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 you know, building relationships and, and, and learning about stuff rather than just, Oh gosh, I got to get back out there because otherwise I won't see the whole show. Because that's how it is at, at Winternam. It's just so packed and crowded. And I I I would I would submit uh, to the courts that no matter what you do, you're going to miss something at Winternam. There's just not enough time in the world for any one person. Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah. You, 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 as a team, maybe maybe you can see the whole thing, but just just as a person, I I just can't see it happening. There's just too much. Um, yeah, well, and, 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 and it's, it's so much like summer Nam seems to be very, a lot more focused on the guitar side of the industry. And whereas at winter Nam that is so huge, you know, and they've got all the, the band instruments and drums and DJs and pro audio. And, you know, I mean, more than half the show is, 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 um, you know, pro audio and microphones and electronics and, and, and lighting and, you know, all of that stuff, which is great. I mean, it's cool, but it's not my thing, you know? <laughs> and so you gotta, you gotta weed your way through all of that to, to find the, the, the pedal builders that you wanted to see their new thing. And then you gotta wait in line to, to demo something because <laughs> there's so many people, you know? Yeah. It's, uh... You know, I, I kind of envy the guitar nerds, you know, in a way, because uh, the guitar shows that happen in England, there's a few, uh, mm -hmm. maybe six to twelve per year, mm -hmm. uh, maybe even more than that. There's quite, there's a lot, um, and they're generally smaller, and they just kind of happen in different times throughout the year, mm -hmm. all around the country, and they're all. It just seems like a really cool experience that they're all, and they're just straight guitar shows. Mm -hmm. Anything that's not mm -hmm. guitar related ain't there, and so that's a really right. nice focused experience, I think. And I, and I wish we had more of that here, but uh, Canada and the U.S. were huge, sprawling countries, and uh, it our, our and there's a lot so of different. and there's a lot of different there's a lot of regional shows that are out there and different things and 
you know, you gotta, you, you gotta learn which one, you know, some of them are mostly like, you know, uh, dealers and such, you know, stores and shops and stuff setting up and versus having manufacturers and, and, uh, you know, um, the, um, Meredith Coloma just got that one going in Vancouver again, yeah, right? The Vancouver National Guitar, Guitar Show. Yeah, it's, yep. it's it's had it going four or five years, maybe. Yep. That's yeah. Maybe a little more than that. I don't, I don't think so. She's pretty young. It, I don't think the show's been going very long, but I think it's been about three years. Not counting, I think it, I'm sure it's canceled this time around. But yeah, um, it was. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's been on. I, I would have loved to have been able to to get up there to go to that, but it's just uh, you know life, right? Yeah. Well, and there's another <laughs> one uh, that happens once a year in Quebec, um, organized by um, uh, Florian uh, from Millimetric Guitars, mm. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, it was also canceled this year. But uh, it's it's got a pretty good reputation. It's only been going a few years as well. And, and the thing is, there's just so many people out there doing so much cool stuff. You know, uh, two or three years ago, I, I did, I curated an exhibit here in the town that I live in, in, in Tracy, California. And, um, we have a pretty, pretty good, pretty robust arts program here in this, this little town. And there's a, there's an old historic theater downtown and there's a, there's a museum or not a museum, an art gallery, so to speak, that's attached to that. And they have rotating exhibits and so about two two and a half years ago i helped build out an exhibit on the art of luthery and um and we filled it out with um exhibits of guitars that are all made by luthiers in the northern california area and i didn't even like i didn't even contact probably half of them and i had like 30 different you know world-class type instruments on display here because there's just, I mean, and that's just, you know, all within a, you know, maybe a less than a hundred mile radius of, of, of where I'm at. Um, and, that's, that's and so rad. yeah, it's just, there's so many people and all of them are so cool, right? Like we talk about with this, this industry, but I got to meet all of these guys and I got to go, you know, to tour Irvin Samagi's shop, right. In Oakland, California and, and all the, the, you know, the history that's with that place and, 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 you know, look at some of his world-class, you know, uh, handmade acoustic guitars and really ended up being a, you know, there was a little bit of everything in that, just in that, that, um, that exhibit, but, um, you know, and we're trying, we're trying to do stuff like that to just get, get more visibility to more people in, in more places and, you know, because it's it's cool and the point of that wasn't even to sell any instruments you know the instruments hung on the wall for six weeks as um literally an exact an art exhibit so that people Mm, could come by and take a look at it and and they were you know it was a hands-off museum type um exhibit where people could just look at the the craftsmanship of the instruments and, and and see who they were made by and how to get in touch with them and and um it was um very different than like a guitar show type guitar show where, where, where it's, you know, it's hands-on and, and, you know, people are trying to, you know, play everything. It's was really more about, Hey, come, come and inspect this fine craftsmanship and look, but don't touch, you know? Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Well, it sounds like it went really well for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a, that was a really neat thing. And, you know, um, 
just another one of those those steps of of networking within the the community and the industry and 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 getting to meet and know more people right right well that's amazing man i well i'm <laughs> i i hope to see more of what you're doing and see more cool stuff coming for you we're we're fans to say yeah. the least um, <laughs> thanks uh, you know I, I don't want to slight anybody doing this because there's a place for it and there's lots of people who love it. Um, but there, there is a, there's no shortage of people out there essentially doing strats and tellies and that's their main focus and they're just doing kind of variants on that kind of a thing. Um, but it's always fun to see somebody doing something that's kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're cutting their own path somewhere mm-hmm. and, and exploring new things and, uh, and you're kind of doing that. And, you know, you're doing these these uniquely shaped guitars uh, in super fun colors and and with tastefully chosen electronics. And, and <laughs> it's cool, man. It's something that uh, I would have... Uh, I, I wish more people would explore some of this stuff. Not, I, I love Gibson and Fender stuff. Um, that's all well and good. I, I really am glad that people are starting to explore more independent and unique companies uh, these days. Um, because as you said, if you found 30 people building really cool world-class instruments within a hundred miles of you in Northern California, um, mm-hmm. you know, that just highlights how much is out there to explore for people. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't just a regular old Les Paul. Well, you know, and there, I mean, there's something to be said for those. I mean, I, I think everybody who's building guitars, especially electric guitars, you know, has had at, at some point has built a Strat or a Tele or something like that. It's part of the process, you know. I mean, I, I my first guitar was an SG that I built, and that's because that's what I found on Craigslist, broke and cheap, right? That I could use, <laughs> as a, that I could copy from, you know, and to make sure I had my measurements right and all this stuff. And then after that, I think I made like five tellies in a row, you know, because guess what? It's just a slab of wood. It's just, I mean, you know, there's not that, it gives you a chance to experiment with things. And, and those were not instruments that I would, I, I ever listed for sale. In fact, I don't even think they're in my social media or anything because those were just part of the, pro- the, the process. And, and, um, but there's also a market for that stuff. You know, there's builders out there who, who, who can make a living doing nothing but building strat and telecopies and, oh sure and, oh, and you know power and, and they no, do I, it i love nash oh, yeah. guitars go go nash but uh right. like i said it's it's neat to see somebody doing something unique like you and, the the only thing i do and you'll see it on my website i haven't had my social media because i haven't built one in a while but but i i will build uh essentially what works out to be a jazz master copy because in my mind the jazz master is probably the one of the most perfectly designed instruments ever. Um, <laughs> um, but it's just my opinion, but, uh, but I, even at that, I, it's not, I don't, it's not a straight copy. The body shape is the same, but I, you know, combine elements of like, I love all of the, the cool switching and all of that in the Jaguars, you know? And so, so the one I call Ventura on my website is really kind of like a jazz master with Jaguar appointments, you know? And, um, and, and, and I will still build that one, but, um, 
you know, that's the only thing other than that, everything else I, I, you know, I, I'm not, if you come to me and say, Hey, I'll pay you a bunch of money to make a telecopy. I'm just not interested anymore. You know? Well, and I think that like, like we've said, there's people out there doing that and that's really where that, if that's what somebody wants, that's where they should go. Yep. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. I'm not that guy, you know? No. Uh, if, if I come to you with, uh, with a big pile of money that, uh, at this point is a wonderful myth, um, <laughs> <laughs> then I won't, uh, I want to know. That or there's a, that or there's a, there's an alarm going off at a bank somewhere. Right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I don't wish. <laughs> One piles of money. I don't want the legal troubles. Um, <laughs> I just want to buy an F3. <laughs> Uh, well, Jonathan, where can you best be found? Where do you, where do you, where do people okay. best find you? So my Instagram is, uh, at fellows guitars, um, on Facebook, just it's fellows guitars. Um, that's the, and then my website is www.fellowsguitars.com. And so it's all, it's all pretty straightforward. It's not hard to find me at all. Perfect. Excellent. And, uh, I, I wanted to ask you this earlier and I forgot, I don't know why it just occurred to me to ask now, but. Sure. Um, with your scale lengths and stuff, what do you like to stick with? Oh, yeah. And do, you, do you do expanded scale lengths? Do you like to do baritones, anything like that? And when's the first double neck F3 coming out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny you ask. Right before this, I was I was scrolling through my uh, through my uh, uh, my Instagram and I saw a post by uh, Nutter Brian Nutter that he's doing a double neck. Uh, electric and oh, five like string that, like banjo banjo double yeah. five string banjo he's like yep now i'm that guy <laughs> <laughs> so no you will not be seeing any double necks from me um listen so you know I, right out of the box um you know the 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 f3s are all 25 and a half inch scale um the bases that i've built so far are 34 inch scale because you know, it's, that's what people are comfortable with, right? Those are Fender standard scale links. That's what people are comfortable playing. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of, of, of the Gibson scales just because it, it feels short to me because I've always just been a Fender player. Um, I, I could do that. Um, but, but these are all set up at this. Um, I am not opposed to doing something different. Um, one of the things that's definitely on the short list, hopefully somebody will, call me and ask me to make it for them so that I don't have to find another way to fund it is uh, I'd like to make an F3 uh, base six kind of setup, you know, like the, the fender base sixes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's like a 30 inch scale. So I, I'd really like to do that at some point um, in the near future, but um, certainly would, would, uh, would want to have somebody uh, <laughs> on board with buying one rather than just building it to spec what about a really handsome podcast host who's really into that idea but has no money to spend on it whatsoever but really encourages you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know where you find one of those <laughs> wow. oh <laughs> Shots fired. I don't know where that guy is, but he's not on this show. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that knife cuts both ways, yeah. Casper. 
but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm open to kind of anything, but, um, but that's where it's at today. I mean, today they're, they're 25 and a half and 34 in the bases and, you know, we'll See, go from there. Open to anything with double necks. <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm just don't don't let him go you into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Listen, I'll tell you this. If someone came to me with that uh, hypothetical pile of cash, I would be more inclined to build a double neck F3 than I would be to build a telecopy. So I uh, like it. There you go. All right. There you go. I respect it. The hypothetical pile of cash might get you the double neck F3, but it it still won't get you the telecopy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well. Jonathan, man, Johnny boy, um, thank you so much for hanging with us and doing the show. Um, it was a real, real pleasure. Thanks for the invite, guys. Oh my gosh! Yeah. No, are you kidding? We had to have you. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as usual, listeners, uh, ch- definitely check him out. Follow him on Instagram. Um, send him piles of money if you have it. Uh, buy an instrument, maybe with that as well. Uh, but you go ahead and just send piles of money if you have them to send. <laughs> That's true. If you if yeah, we will, I, we will I, act I, as intermediary if you like to send us piles of yep. money and we'll relay some to Jonathan. That was all good too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all we'll we'll send it all all yeah. to Jonathan. Yeah. We'll send uh, the via minor courier for you. But, um, well, yeah, and uh, yeah, thanks, listeners, for checking out the show again. We're just so grateful that you're along for the journey. We'll see everyone next week. Yeah.